0: Time once again for instant analysis on the YouTube and podcast homes for BamaOnline.com. Travis Ryer, senior analyst for BOL, following Alabama's 34 to 20 win over Rival Tennessee Saturday afternoon at Bryant Denny Stadium. The Crimson Tide with a 27 to nothing white wall, whitewashing, I guess it is, of the visiting balls in the third and fourth quarters. To erase that 20 to 7 halftime deficit that felt even bigger given the catastrophic sort of turn of events there late in the second quarter. At least a 10 point swing. Alabama looks like it's going to go down, get into the end zone, at least, at least kick a Will Reichard field goal, cut that Tennessee lead to three going into the break. Going to get the ball coming out to start the second half, but no. Alabama doesn't get it done. Interception from Jalen Milrow in the end zone. Tennessee proceeds to go the length of the field from there, gets into the end zone with under 15 seconds to go in the second quarter, and it is a 13-point halftime lead for the Vols, who have been lights out against Alabama under Josh Heupel in the first quarter of games. 13 more points for Tennessee in the first quarter on Saturday. That's 48 First quarter points for Tennessee in its last three meetings against Alabama. All of those under Josh Heupel. Alabama somehow can claim two victories in all of that. Fell behind big last season, as you might recall, in Knoxville, twenty-one to seven. People forget though. Two years ago in Tuscaloosa, Tennessee led that game fourteen to seven after a quarter. So a lot to get into on instant analysis. We'll also take your comments here on our YouTube channel, and I can see those. I can see there are already some in there. Luke Buckley checking in here. He says the Dynasty survives one more week. Well, you know, I think there were a lot of people that were counting it out at the half. So still a week-to-week team, although I'll say this, that second-half team we saw from Alabama on Saturday, that is the team no other team in college football wants to see whether it's Georgia at some point down the road, whether it's LSU in two weeks. And I do think that is still going to be a very difficult game in Tuscaloosa. LSU looks like it is ascending at the right time. We know on offense what LSU will present. We've got plenty of time to get into that one because Alabama heads into a much needed bye week. We'll talk some about Nick Saban's post. Game comments, Uh, he kind of said what we were all thinking about this team, that it is, in fact, taking years off his life. But he also added that it's worth it. That's a football coach. A football coach will tell you, a team is taking years off my life, but it is absolutely worth it. Yeah, that's pretty much that guy. G. Ellis, the second checking in here as we go through some of the comments. I don't know who Alabama looks more like this year. Mel Gibson in an action movie are the Ali in the foreman fight. Were, yeah. Either one will take it and light them up. Yeah. Cigars. oplente in Tuscaloosa, Alabama tonight. You saw Nick Saban on the broadcast at the end there. He was presented with a cigar at first. Looked like Nick didn't really know what to do with it, but then uh, he was very happy with it. It seemed like as well. David Labovitz. Labovitz, excuse me, checking in. Love the show and look forward to hearing y'all's analysis tonight. Thanks, David. We appreciate you tuning into the program and all of our other viewers out there. Uh, but certainly, I mean, you talk about two games and one, that was this one. Because again, Tennessee, the one thing you didn't want to see happen was the balls kind of find it in the passing game. Because you figured Alabama could hang in there against this Tennessee run game, even though it came in averaging 230 rushing yards per game. And Alabama did that for the most part. Now, didn't always account for Joe Milton and his legs. I thought Tennessee did a really nice job in the first half creating matchup issues. I'm certainly squirrel white on Chris Braswell wasn't one that Alabama fans were counting on and the balls were able to hit that one. For a seven to nothing lead, In the post game, Nick talked about that. He said the coverage wasn't entirely played right, and I know watching the game, it seemed like Braswell at the end of the play or after the play was looking or during the play was looking to see if he had help over the top because absolutely, you do not want a dropping 250 pound edge defender trying to defend a slot receiver. But at the same time, you also give Tennessee some credit; they had seen enough. As Nick said, Alabama was in odd, rushing three. Uh, He felt like when they went to more four-man rush and played the coverages that go hand-in-hand with a four-man rush, things improved. That was certainly the case in the second half. So uh, Tennessee got the start it needed, but red zone defense. And I talked about this at BamaOnline.com really throughout the week because both these teams, not high Conversion rates for touchdowns on red zone trips. Now, they both have pretty good kickers. So when you just look at red zone percentage with field goals included, it looks pretty good. But when you just take into account touchdown conversion rate, not so good. And that is something that I'm sure Tennessee and its fan base is ruining after this game because opportunities really in the first quarter to make this thing uglier than it was. And so, you know, with Alabama, down 13 to 7 with the football there late in the second quarter and moving and looking like again it was going to at least cut that UT lead to three. Uh to turn the ball over down there, get nothing of its own, and then put the defense out there that seemed like it was getting its legs under it. It looked like the defensive staff had made some of those aforementioned um adjustments. Uh, but what was really disheartening about that Tennessee drive at least into the red zone, was that Tennessee did it largely running the football in that situation, did what it wanted to do. Tennessee was very comfortable in the first half. Let's put it that way. And it was going to be on Alabama to come out in the second half and get the balls uncomfortable. And one of the best ways to do that that I know, how about a two-play scoring drive? Jace McClellan with the explosive run to get things going. You get yourself into a position Uh, On the field where first and 10, that's where a lot of teams like to take shots offensively. Alabama was able to do that. Excellent protection on the play. Nick talked about it in the postgame. On that play, you did see Jalen just small, small movement up into the pocket to give himself a really good chance to make that accurate throw. Didn't have to be entirely accurate. Alabama keeps just absolutely hammering defenses with those double moves from the slot uh from the slot it was Isaiah a couple weeks ago against Texas A&M it was Kobe last week um you know in that win for Alabama uh and then you come right back to it the Arkansas game last week it was Kobe and then you come back to something similar this week and you hit Isaiah Bond good protection yes Jalen was rushed at times he was pressured you saw uh What really preceded the long field goal from Will, and good for Will Reichert, right? He wanted to exercise some demons in this series, and he certainly did that. He made the long one on Saturday. didn't make it a year ago, but he damn sure made it on Saturday. And uh, that that put him in a situation where he had to make the long one because the same blitz that Texas A&M brought from the blind side in College Station, that's what got to Jalen there um, you know, in the second half. And again, you're lucky in that situation that, that Jalen didn't put the ball on the ground because earlier when he got hit from the blind side and yeah, Caden Proctor could have been better there. But I think there are also times still when Jalen is figuring out he needs to help his quarterback and just a slight, that slight hop up into the pocket could have helped Caden Proctor on that strip sack. But again, give the defense credit after that one, forced the field goal, and that really went a long way. And also the run game for Alabama um, and the pressure, it, that balance and that mix that Alabama was able to achieve uh, there in the second half was all the difference to Jace McClellan with a, a yeoman's effort. Nick talked about it in his post game that, you know, uh, Jace, like a lot of guys at this point in the season, but certainly running backs in this league, you play eight straight games, you're going to have something wrong with you. So. Nick alluded to the fact that Jace is a little beat up. Uh, as far as injuries go, we might as well hit on those while we're at it. Nick also said that Terry and Arnold sustained a concussion, a slight concussion as he called it. And the hope is that he will be cleared with the bye week in time for LSU in two weeks. And he also said, you know, Trey Amos came in and played really good football. In fact, he, Nick said that on the strip sack, of Milton that jihad Campbell turned into really the decisive score, made it a 34 to 20 game. The second year in a row that an Alabama linebacker has returned to Tennessee fumble for a touchdown. Uh Nick felt like if it wasn't a strip sack, Trey Amos was in great position to intercept the pass had Milton gotten it off. So as Nick worded it, as Nick said it, team total team effort in the second half. And again, If this Alabama team, if there can be some carryover from this second half into LSU, into the month of November, it's very easy to envision this team being the team that we thought back in the preseason, back even in the early season after the loss to Texas, was still going to be very capable of running the table from week three throughout up until the SEC championship game. Now, it is still a team and it did play largely penalty-free. I don't think we can stress that enough either in the post-game comments because uh, that's been an issue as we, not so much at home, maybe more so on the road, but uh, to play penalty-free and then to get some penalty issues going for Tennessee there in the second half, I thought was important as well. Had some big flags on the balls in the final 30 minutes instead of, well, like what we saw for Alabama in Knoxville a year ago. Paul Witt checking in here. Paul says, man, give the OL a ton of credit today. A few assignment sacks given up and a few where Milrow was too stationary, but the OL held their own and produced a 100-yard rusher versus a legit defensive front. He's right, man. Not just that front either, Paul, but I, I'm a Aaron Beasley, uh, I guess you could say, fan. I, I just like the way he plays. And a lot of it has to do with the way Tennessee plays. Tennessee's aggressive, man. They don't mind getting their inside linebackers downhill. And if you don't slow them down one way or the other, you don't have some variety in your run game. And I also like seeing Kendrick Law on a jet sweep today. How about that one? You want to have some easy touches that are essentially rushing yards uh, that, that go down as passing yards, but give that defense something else to think about. I'm not a five-six jet sweeps a game guy but as I talked about on Thursday Night Tide a couple nights ago with Jimmy Stein Clint lamb needs some mix and if you went back to Tennessee's loss against Florida and watched some of that that's what Florida did really from the outset it had some jet action it had some uh you know lineman pulling and more of a gap scheme at times it ran zone it got Etienne going. Uh, It took Alabama maybe a little bit longer to do that. But certainly in the second half, the Crimson Tide imposed its will. And I agree with you, Paul. Give Jaden Roberts a lot of credit, too, because when he went out, it looked like he was out for a while. Next thing you know, in the second half, you see him back out there. Darian Dahlcourt came in there briefly at right guard. But they continue to look as if they're finding more of their groove with that group. Pass protection is going to be the bigger issue, other than J.C. Latham. You still had a couple of snaps from Seth McLaughlin. And, you know, when Alabama was in that fourth down, backed up late, late, late in the game, and basically just wanted to run clock at about the four-minute mark, were you like me? Were you thinking they're going to inadvertently snap this football on fourth and one? Jalen's not going to be ready for it. They're going to turn it over inside. I know, that's awful. That's the most negative thinking you could possibly have. But I'm just saying I would not have been surprised. But uh, Alabama uh, handled that situation well enough. Luke Fleischer Fleischer, checking in here with us on Instant Analysis. Thanks for all you do, Travis. Hey, thank you, Luke. I don't get to do what I do if it's not for you guys and gals. Speaking of which, Kathy Woody checking in here. Teams always make the most bizarre plays against Alabama. I cannot honestly remember a Karoom INT. I'd have to think about that one. You know, I'm sure that's a ball if Jalen had it back. He makes sure it gets to that pylon, gets to that back corner a little bit more and maybe gets it out a little bit sooner. It was also really good coverage by Tennessee there, so you have to. I know it's hard. It's still Tennessee, Uh, but there was some good coverage on that play um, from the Vols. So we keep it moving here. Keith Jones checking in. Best defense, he says, since 2017. Great at all three levels. This team is a 500 team without the defense playing out of its mind. Keith, they were they were at least 2017 good there in the second half. I mean, they were, they were all-time good in the second half. I do agree with you. All three levels. Tim Keenan continuing to come along. You talk about guys going out and then coming back in. It was good to see Tim do that in the game Saturday by Jaheim Otis you know those fourth down stops what about Heipel? you know is that just as disrespectful as it gets or is that just a coach who says I'm aggressive I've got a lot of confidence in my team and probably a mix of both if we're being honest he knows the opponent and he's probably thinking our defense can get a stop here if we don't convert these but Alabama got those stops, and you're right. Linebacker level, Jihad Campbell playing great. Trez Marshall not able to go on Saturday. Saban said in the postgame that those ribs were still an issue for Trez Marshall, so we'll see how he comes out of the bye week looking ahead to LLSU. Um, Jihad did a lot of good things. I think it is good to have all three of those guys, especially if you're not going against tempo teams, but. Jahad and, and Deontay Lawson, once again, Deontay's just just playing at a, he's playing at a C.J. Mosley kind of level at this point, I would say. C.J. Mosley, Rolando McClain, when you talk about the greats, and the thing is, he's playing middle, he's playing some, he can play weak, he plays the money and the dime, so there are no breaks for number 32. Uh, the secondary two, Keith. I think you're right. To have a guy like Trey Amos in your back pocket. And if you have an injury to a Terrian Arnold or a Kool-Aid, you can roll with a guy of that caliber who I felt all along was of starter caliber. and I feel even stronger about that after today. Uh he was he's been a nice addition for a number of reasons. First, you bring him in and you 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 push Terrion with him. It makes Terrion better going into the season. And then if you have an issue. Uh, and it also gives you versatility with Tarion. You know, you go to your nickel package and you want to, or your dime, and you want to move Tarion inside. Um, you know, you can do that. Bring Trey Amos on. Uh, you know, at the corner position and, and having that kind of depth, it's it's just really hard to beat. Kool Aid's Kool Aid. Um, you know, Malachi, I give him a lot of credit for going because I, I don't, I, I don't, I don't think he's still all the way back but this is a game that as a veteran especially and a competitor like Malachi is he's not going to miss this game now you did see in some some red zone there I think it was later in the first half maybe on the touchdown pass by the way the touchdown pass to the Tennessee tight end I mean you, you kind of expect that with them because I think their tight ends have 19 catches on the season and uh That was Castles, McAllen Castles on that. And I know, look, that looked like, you know, I'm not going to say it looked like it was a designed rub, or if your team is on the wrong end of it, it's a pick. You know, if your team is working that concept on offense, it's a rub. But if your team is on defense, it's a pick. It's a straight up pick. Well, yeah, but the chances of that getting called, as we know, uh, not very good. Not very good, and it didn't get called. But I think it's seven touchdown catches for Tennessee tight ends now on 19 grabs. But, yeah, I mean, the secondary, you have to you have to give it up to those guys. Caleb Downs, Jalen Key, um, Malachi for going. Uh, Kool-Aid, maybe not so much on punt returns, which we'll talk about perhaps here in a little bit. Sully. <laughs> Sully, four six two is his only comment, will this Bama team ever play for all four quarters? Sheesh. Sully wants that, you know, he wants that 28 to nothing halftime lead and then just kind of cruise in the second half. But it is, it's a salient point because it wasn't four quarters again on Saturday. It certainly wasn't the first quarter. It was better in the second quarter. And then you think, kind of got this thing reined in a little bit. And then you have those final, Couple of three minutes of the second quarter, where it it feels again catastrophic was the word that came to mind when Bama turned it over and Tennessee proceeded to go down and get in the end zone and get up twenty to seven. The only thing that kind of had me thinking Alabama was still okay. Well, a couple things: the talent on the Alabama roster. If you just execute, even in the neighborhood of the talent you have on that roster, you have a chance. In a 20 to seven game, a, a very good chance still, but getting the ball to come out to start the second half and having that opportunity to go two plays down the field, touchdown 20 to 13 game, and then, excuse me, 20 to 14 game, then it takes on a different feel. One Alabama Mafia here in the comments 41 playing like a beast this season and 30 is developing every week. He's going to be a good one. Yeah, I think he's already pretty good. Jahad Campbell, and I agree. I think he's only going to get better. I think physically he's going to continue to make those strides that are going to make him an even more physical presence at the position. I think in every other way, he's already pretty much there. Jahad Campbell, 41, you're right. Chris Braswell, and it's nice late in games when you're up and you want to go back to odd and you want to drop eight. You can do that in a 14-point game because Dallas Turner and Chris Braswell, Probably still going to be able to get some heat. And I give Justin Aboigbe some credit too late in the game. The effort alone, splitting double teams and still trying to get to the quarterback. Big Justin Aboigbe fan. I thought he did some nice things down the stretch uh, additionally. Paul Witt checking back in. It is time. Here it is. We said we'd get to the punt return situation. It is time for a change. Or he's asking, is it time for a change at punt return? Kool-Aid has had the yips since early season fumble and muff and is giving up a ton of yards by not catching the ball. I think it's something you definitely have to consider. I understand there is a history of Kool-Aid being back there and doing great things. Even against Middle Tennessee in the opener, he nearly returned one for a touchdown. But I think you hit on it, Paul, what you're worried about after that end-of-game situation where he's in position. You know, he struggled at times to be in the right position. And Alabama on Saturday even tried putting two guys back and the ball still bouncing around too much, not getting caught. But for Kool-Aid to not attempt to catch that last punt, I believe it was the last one. And now, even though you're in a great spot on the scoreboard, there's still time on the clock. And instead of being out at the 30, somewhere in that neighborhood, you're on your own one. Um, so you made life harder on yourself than it you needed to be. I know you saw Nick on the coverage. He was not happy. Um, I, yeah, I Here's the thing. I know that in some instances it's about trying to help guys, as Nick will say, create value for themselves beyond Alabama. But Kool-Aid McKintree is not going to return punts in the National Football League. It's not a value thing for him. He is a number one corner for the team that he plays for in the NFL next year. And I just don't see him returning punts. How many corners do you really see returning punts in the NFL these days? Where's the Deion Sanders these days? You don't see it. So I don't think from that perspective, uh, you know, and and he's a veteran. And so you you trust him. Uh, But you've got some other guys uh, that you could certainly try. I think uh, what Isaiah Bond we've seen. I think Kendrick Law can do it. Um, Caleb Downs. Can catch punts, so we'll see what's going on moving forward. You got a bye week. You can maybe try to. uh, We can try to. You can try to figure this thing out. We've got uh, Brock checking in here. He says, "Roll Tide, Travis. This defense is elite. It was elite in the second half, and and even though it gave up points in the first half and yards, you know, Joe Milton was out of his mind there for a little while. It's tough when Ramel Keaton and Squirrel White." Are hitting you like Alabama was getting hit, uh, but really, um, in the second half, that's the, 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 this whole football team. That's that's what you that's what you expect. W. Knight he is uh, asking, consider it. Are you serious? Kool-Aid should have been replaced three weeks ago at punt return. Eh, I don't know if I'd have been that quick quick with it, but um, yeah, I think it, it's certainly something that after the last couple weeks. Uh, I'm sure they're considering it. We've got Tennyson Lane checking in. Roll Tide from Winston-Salem. Great team win. Hope you and yours are well. We are great, my man. We are great. Actually, in addition to doing this right now, simultaneous, I got the four square up. I got the four square up. So I've got Auburn, Ole Miss, and a 14-14 to game. It looks like uh, USC and Utah also. And uh, Kansas State, TCU, it's just, we got college football. We're covered up in college football. So again, from an injury perspective, uh, we'll continue to keep you updated on how Alabama came out of this game. Again, it sounds like Terrian Arnold was the most serious of the injuries. You saw him return to the sideline without his pads there after going into the locker room. So uh, hopefully that's a serious situation when you start dealing with concussions but perhaps uh, with the bye week like so many of these guys this team I know it's it's still a loaded roster it's a very talented roster but eight straight and especially when one of your non-cons is a top 15 team in Texas so it, it's not like you mixed in another gimme there you know that you could play a lot of people you think about how much Alabama's had to play its frontline guys through eight weeks. Yeah, yeah. Let's check it out here. G. Ellis checking back in. Is it possible, albeit dangerously risky, that Bama is playing? And then he got cut off there. Drew Lee, Amos did well in relief of Arnold. Really? Yeah, agreed, Drew. We just talked about that a little bit. Uh, We've got another Travis checking in. Uh, Travis B says, Travis's rule the world. I don't know. You know, I might get some blowback on that in Casa de Ryer. I don't know if I rule that one, but I hear you. Good for you, Travis, if you got it like that in your your corner of the world. Uh, He says, crybaby Tennessee fans don't like when the script is flipped from the last year. Now they know how we felt when their refs screwed us. Yeah, you know, there's always going to be some of that. I don't think you really heard it from Nick Saban, though. After the game last year, if I if I remember correctly, and again just uh, to illustrate the, the the halves and and how they sort of went, first half for Tennessee, and these were some big things that we talked about throughout the week as well. We talked about plays because Tennessee, with that tempo, wants to get it up into the seventies, and Tennessee ran what twenty five plays in the first quarter, I think it was. Let me count it here: twenty nine plays. 29 plays for Tennessee in the first quarter 13 of those were runs so for the half Alabama got it down to 17 there in the second quarter but still 46 plays for Tennessee in the first half compared to just 31 for Alabama the Vols were 6 of 11 on third down in the first half rushed for 100 yards and that rushing yardage stat means something in this series because the last seven games going into today, between these teams, the winner held the edge in rushing yards. And at the end of the first half, Tennessee had 100 rushing yards. Alabama had 16. Joe Milton out of his mind, 16 to 22, two touchdowns, 175. Jalen wasn't awful, 10 of 14. One touchdown and that seemingly, at the time, very costly interception. Uh, third downs for Alabama in the first half. Just two of six. Uh, time of possession, uh, you know, 16 to about 14. No big deal there. Flip it to the second half. Total yards for Tennessee, 129. Rushing yards, 33. Milton pass for 96. Tennessee on third downs, just two of seven. Alabama, three of seven. The big stat in the second half, as far as conversions in this game, fourth down, Tennessee, 0 for 2 when Heipel dialed it up on possession plays, fourth down plays. Alabama in the second half averaged seven yards per play. But really, when you look at it in terms of first down efficiency in the second half, that's where Alabama really cranked it up because, well, the long touchdown pass for one, well, the first two plays of the second half. And that was the whole drive that, that encompassed the, the entire total yardage. Those are both first down plays. So Alabama ran 31st down plays for 232 yards. That's a 7.7 yard average Jalen on third down, excuse me, on first down throws Jalen throwing the football on first down eight of nine, 124 yards. So. Serious efficiency throwing it on first downs. But again, some of those key stats like total plays for Tennessee after 46 uh 46 snaps for Tennessee in the first half, uh, 79 for the game. So what 33 in the second half? You can deal with that. Uh Tennessee wanted to really just continue to pound the rock, and they did run it 38 times. Now, I think you've got some sacks of uh, Joe Milton in that number, but 38 runs, uh, but to end up with 133 and a 3.5-yard average, Alabama did a nice job against the backs for Tennessee. The longest run by a Tennessee back on Saturday was 12 yards by Dylan Sampson. Uh, Javari Small, 8 for 24, and the big one was Jalen Wright because he came into this one with uh, four 100-yard rushing games to his credit, averaging over 7 yards per carry. Uh, and he goes 11 for 22 with a long run of five. So if if you put up those type of numbers against Tennessee's backs, when you add it all up, 23 carries for Tennessee's backs for 12, 14. This gets rough because I'm doing this in my head. So just it, it may, my head may pop off trying to do this. Uh, 74 rushing yards for the backs. 23 for 74. You can live with that if you're the Alabama defense. Meanwhile, Jace McClellan, 27 carries. We said it earlier, workman-like effort. Jace is going to deserve his bye week. 27 carries, 115 a touch, and he had that long of 29 to open the third quarter. Roydell, 6 for 20, a long of just five. And Jalen, too, in the run game. We saw some more of that. We saw some more decisiveness, too, from Jalen. When he wanted to run, or when it was best for him to run, when he was throwing the football. Now the sacks continue to really eat into his rushing total, and really Alabama's uh, as a whole, because before sacks were taken out, Alabama ran for buck seventy-five, and it's kind of similar for Tennessee, one sixty before the sacks came out, um, for four point six. Both of the teams ran for four point six before sacks. But Jalen on some of the zone read stuff, some of the direct runs. You know, some of the things that you that we talked about on Thursday night tide that I know a lot of you wanted to see. We saw at least attempts. You know, we saw an attempt at a traditional screen game to the backs. It didn't really work. Tried it a couple times, didn't really work. We saw the jet um to Kendrick Law. Went 34 yards. That's an easy touch. That's a completion. You know, so that was good to see. So uh, there was some diversity second half. You know, I know everyone's gonna think that Tommy Reese finally woke up and, and called a a good half, but you know, sometimes you're at the mercy of the execution too. And uh, but those two things certainly came together there in the second half on Saturday. Special teams. I know we talked a lot about Kool Aid, but again, James burnup five punts for a forty three point six yard average. He had a long of fifty two. Um, Kendrick had one kickoff return for 21 yards. I like him returning those kickoffs. I get, I just get a sense with him that, uh, he's going to house one before this season is over. And then Will Riker doing his Will Riker things. These were a little close. He flirted with that right up, uh, right upright on both of them, didn't he? 42 yarder in the third quarter. Almost took a little paint off that, uh, South end zone right upright and then he comes back in the fourth and talk about a full circle moment. Misses from 50 in the fourth in Knoxville last year. Bangs one home from 50 in the fourth in Tuscaloosa this time around. Hey, uh, we got continuing coverage for you right there at BamaOnline.com. Charlie Potter, Clint Lamb, Jimmy Stein, myself from the team perspective, and then so much recruiting stuff as well because um, it was a big weekend in Tuscaloosa. So whether it's Tim Watts, whether it's Andrew Bone, whether it's JoJo Hastings, they're going to keep you up to speed. No doubt about that. So let's see if we have any final comments here before we check out. Already gone a little bit long. Um, Stephen Burton. He also is talking about Kool-Aid. He expected someone else back there um, after the, uh, the the issues on the on the punt returns. Um, so there you go. That's what we're going to do. That's where we're going to wrap it up. And we're going to direct you, and you should still be right on BamaOnline.com watching this and that roundtable thread with the rest of us right there at BOL. Uh, so much to to keep you up to date with there at Bama Online.com. the roundtable always a great place to do that for starters and then kind of work your way from there. We still have that 50% off special on annual subscriptions for new subscribers. So if you haven't subscribed to BOL as of yet, you need to check that deal out. It won't be around forever. It was a big game week. Um, uh, Subscription special for us there at BOL. So, Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. Have a great rest of your Saturday. Be safe out there. Enjoy yourself. And if you're into cigars, hey, this one's for you, right? Travis Schreier, thanking you once again. So long, everybody. Plus.